0: Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanine Moali. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 106 of Sexology Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to have a very interesting topic and conversation about sex spots and new developments in teledonics and lots of great juicy stuff. But before I dive into the topic today, I wanted to ask you guys for a huge favor. If you have been listening to this podcast, I really appreciate it if you give us an honest review, write an honest review in iTunes or Stitchers. It's really helpful for our show to rank higher and it will help us to reach a broader audience. And I wanted to say thank you to all of you guys who wrote us a review on iTunes. I read all of them. Gives me lots of energy and excitement to continue with the show. Today, we're going to talk, as I mentioned, about the new developments and uh, sex technology. And our guest today is Dr. Holly Richmond. And I'm so grateful that Dr. Ari Tuckman introduced me to her. Dr. Ari has been featured in episode 81 and 79, and we talked about teledildonic and fidelity agreement, and it's just all around a very knowledgeable psychologist and sex therapist, and he has this wonderful blog on psychology today. So Dr. Ari, thank you so much. We appreciate all of your help and support. And Sharing your knowledge with us. So, Dr. Holly Richmond is our guest. As I mentioned, she's a somatic psychologist, certified sex therapist, and licensed marriage family therapist. She's one of North America's leading sex therapists, serving Hollywood's elite as well as prominent corporate clientele nationally and internationally. With offices in New York, Los Angeles, and Portland, Dr. Holly is a trusted authority on sexual health issues with significant media following. She's regularly quoted in publications and media outlets, including the New York Times, CNN, Shape, NBC, Wired, Forbes, Health, Men's Health, Cosmo, and Women's Health. She is a sought-after consultant in sex tech industry and is seen as a pioneer in bridging the gap between sexual health and entertainment. Dr. Holly's next sex platform and forthcoming book reflect her keen interest in the exploration of sex and technology and how they work together as a human sexuality evolves in the 21st century. Here's my conversation with Dr. Holly Richman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Holly Richman on our show. Dr. Holly, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm so excited about this topic as I was sharing with you. It's very interesting. And I feel, you know, I have some limited knowledge about it. As I was sharing with you, I know about like sex toys and sex dolls and all of that, but kind of these movements and technology and new products are very exciting and different. So I'm kind of curious, how did you get interested in this area?
1: Yeah, and I will try to keep it as short as possible here. So I'm a somatic psychologist, which means I'm a psychologist that looks at the body as well as the mind. And I paired this with sexuality, a certification in sex therapy, because to me, it always made sense. Like what's more somatic than sex, right? Not a lot. We have to be in our bodies when we're having great sex. So gosh, probably about two and a half or three years ago now, I was just sitting on my couch on a Saturday watching Sky News, and there was a program about virtual reality. Nothing to do with sexuality, but I just watched the show about virtual reality. And I remember like I just sat up straight, took this deep breath, looked at my husband and said, this is going to change everything for sex. And then that just kind of kicked me into high gear to discovering more about it. And it's really funny looking back now, I didn't even realize why I was so excited. It probably took me at least a good month. And then I realized immersive technologies are somatic technologies. So I'm always talking to my clients about their felt experience, their perception, their senses. So I'm my, one of my mantras is get out of your head and into your body. That's what immersive technologies allow us to do. So in that way, I felt like they were somatic technologies.
0: So how big is this industry in the US and globally? Oh my gosh. So
1: that's a really that's a tough question. Okay. So we we've got the sex toy industry which is all inclusive of you know, from what we, what most of us know today is sex toys to the immersive sex toys. So that's a $15 billion market in the US, $29 billion market globally. Oh, wow. <laughs> when, yeah, that's a lot of money. When we're looking specifically at immersive sex tech, um, so VR, telodildonics, deep fakes, anything, sex bots in that market, we're still in the millions, um, but it's a 16 million today projected to be up around 30 million by the end of 2020.
0: Well, that is a huge market. And as you mentioned, it it seems like it's moving forward, which can be a good thing and bad thing. We're going to talk about that. So I'm kind of curious about what's happening in Lonic and how is Pleasure finally taking front stage over performance?
1: Yeah. And I I so love that you said that because that's really, I feel like that's what's happening. And with teledildonics, so for any of your listeners out there who don't know, teledildonics are Wi-Fi, Bluetooth connected devices that usually function through an app. So you would download an app on your phone that connects your toy to the app. Your partner can be anywhere. So let's say you're in Berlin, your partner's in Brooklyn They would connect their toy to their app, and then you two can remotely control each other's pleasure. Hoping that makes sense. So it really, for I mean, for both sexes, for men and women, but I feel like for men particularly, when we're working this way, it very much takes the pressure off performance because obviously they're not there in person, but because of these these toys that feel like you're connected to your partner, Um, and by the way, you can use VR video with this too, so it's even more immersive. You can really be doing whatever you want and giving your partner pleasure. Uh, let's say you have chronic erectile dysfunction issues. It's just not such a big deal.
0: Yes. So that is so interesting. And, you know, I was at ASAC and I never saw like the conference and I never saw, seen the lioness before. And it was interesting that they were showing me the data it collects and all of those good information you can gather. So it's it's very interesting.
1: It is. And I love Lioness. I have recently started prescribing it and have had great results. So I I used it on a 47 year old woman who had diagnosed herself with anorgasmia but I didn't think she had it, and I told her that um, she was Christian, had just had um, penetrative sex with her husband for you know 20 years, had three children, had really never even touched her clitoris. So the Lioness was just, and she wasn't specifically tech savvy. So I was like, okay, if I can get Lioness to work with here, her, this is you know, this is just going to be amazing. And it took about three weeks. We did a seven week protocol. During week three, she did learn how to orgasm. She kind of figured out what she needed not just physiologically but in her environment so she knew she needed to have the house to herself for two hours she figured out she could get more aroused and in her body in the mornings as opposed to the evenings she figured out what pattern on the lioness would give her orgasms which pattern was felt a little bit more frustrating to her i mean it was just it was so empowering so beautiful you know at the beginning of our time together she said i'm just not sure what all the fuss is about but i'm curious and at the end she's like I totally know what this is all about now and it's amazing.
0: That is so interesting. Obviously I'm not affiliated with them, but you know, yeah. I feel like I like that it was a female owned company and again I'm very I'm a person who gets very excited on data and I like that it collects data and all of those great things, but I'm kind of curious that I guess one of the challenges I have with my clients is like encouraging them to use these things because they're very hesitant. So do you have any secret uh, recipe to encourage people (laughs) to incorporate those things into kind of like, even for as a part of their treatment?
1: I know. And it can be because I think in, in general, technology has been pathologized, right? You know, if you're using technology as part of your sexual health, you know, in a lot of circles, you will get, oh, that's, you know, you shouldn't be watching so much porn. You know, connecting through technology, it's not as good as connecting in life. I think that's a unrealistic in today's day and age. And as we move into more immersive technologies, it's only going to get more and we'll actually feel more connected because of the immersive experiences. And there's a certain segment of the population who feel most comfortable connecting through technology. We call those people technosexuals. And I feel like it's doing a huge disservice to say that they aren't having real sex or that they're still virgins if they only express their sexuality through technology. I think we're going to see way more of these people um, in the next five to 10 years. And they're they're just as valid as people who only want to have IRL
0: sex, right? Right, right. And I think it was, I guess, like one sub part of this industry is teledonic and all the kind of toys and different things that people are using and the other part it seems like sex robots and Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious about I mean I can see like I'm sure many people get nervous even talking about this area because as I was sharing with you that you were you mentioned about the Netflix series Mm -hmm. and the email and I check it out and it seems like they're very sophisticated I never seen them like in you know, a clothes, So it's very interesting that how would that change our sexuality when it's become more mainstream? So what are the pros and cons of using sex bots?
1: Yeah, yeah. So first, I just want to clarify the difference between sex dolls and sex bots. So there are a lot of sex dolls on the market. And I don't know if you saw at ASECT, the synthetic surrogates, right? So these are literally, you know, sex dolls made as surrogates. So, you know, I'm not sure how much you refer out, but in the past I've had to refer to um, surrogate partner therapists or sexological body workers when my clients needed that hands on touch. Obviously that's not something I could do. So now there's dolls being created that can help clients understand human anatomy, human sexual anatomy, feel like it's what it's like to touch another I don't want to say person, but another thing, you know, that with skin that feels like skin, let's say like if there's extreme social anxiety with an adult virgin, these synthetic surrogates are used to to treat erectile dysfunction, um, vaginal pain, all kinds of therapeutic purposes, but they are literally just a doll. They look fairly real, but they're just a doll. Sex bots, on the other hand, so right now there's really only two that are functional and that's harmony. She was born in June 2018. And Henry, Henry was born in October 2018. So they're both fairly new. Mm -hmm. Harmony, you can buy and get her shipped to you. Henry is not available to the mass market yet, but I think that's, you know, weeks away. So these bots have AI. So you can talk to Harmony. She will talk back to you. Um, If you sat down with her for half an hour to an hour, she would learn about you and then she would know the right questions to ask. Or if you asked her a question, she would respond in a way that you would want her to. So she's got over 20 personalities, everything from intelligent to slutty to bitchy to curious to sweet, like just, you know, kind of fun and playful things. And from my perspective, we would we could program her based on a client's sexual template. So what are they into? If they're into, you know, dominance or submission, we could kind of program her to, to fit the bill for that. Does that make sense?
0: Right. right. And very yeah. interesting. And a side note, and the sex dolls, I don't know if they were... That's realistic. I was, I was joking with my, one of my friends on ASAC that their skin was so smooth. And they were she so might. firm. I don't know. People might get disappointed if they start being with a real person. But I agree with you. So they're great for augmenting our work with our clients because it gives people kind of more exposure to the things that they can kind of like practice before getting with a real partner. And I think it's a sex robot thing. I think it's so fascinating. And I can see that, you know, there would be an argument that if I can have exactly the kind of the person I want with the facial feature and body that I want, why would I go with a real person? What do you think about that?
1: Uh, because I think human beings are still programmed after all of these eons to be to be wired for connection. I mean, to be honest, we are wired for connection. Most of us. There are some of us who are not so much who are prefer to be alone more. Um, whether there's a um, developmental disorder behind that, or a personality disorder, or just a personal personal pre- preference, someone who might identify as asexual. So there's a lot of different reasons, but I think for the most part, most of us are designed to connect and we are going to want to connect. And I just I when I talk about dolls or bots, these are not a replacement for other humans. They're in addition to I loved that you use the word augmented or, in you know, an augmentation. It's just it's just a bonus. It's not a replacement.
0: Right. And it can give people, as we talked about, like the skills, the thing, the experiences Mm -hmm. that they might not be able to get because of their anxiety, at times because of their disability. It could be a number of different things that I can see these things can be helpful. So I'm kind of curious. It seems like you're using technology very frequently in your practice. So I'm kind of curious to see how VR can be used to encourage healthy eroticism with ourselves. Absolutely. And, and for every new
1: immersive technologies, there are dozens of ways, maybe even more than that, of, of using it. So I use VR with erectile dysfunction. I use VR with low libido couples. I use VR with people curious about gender differences, having sex with someone of another gender, people curious about fetishes. These, like, let's talk about gender differences, so having sex with someone of a different sex or a different gender, and then um, experimentation with fetishes. Those can be big propositions for someone to go out, find the right person to be with, and then go through with it. So VR can be an excellent tool. Again, that middle ground, not a replacement for the actual experience, but here's a great place to practice, build competency, build agency, build confidence, And then if you liked the experience, which I mean, I'm sure, you know, a lot of the fantasies we have are great because they live in fantasy land, right? When we think about doing them in person, we're like, oh, no, like, or "Nope," I tried it and that didn't work for me at all. So it's just a tool. It's this halfway, very safe, risk-free tool for experimentation.
0: Right. So for example, with erectile dysfunction, how do you use this technology? Because I can see for low libido, but I'm kind of curious, what are some of the things you use in your practice to address that?
1: Yeah. So with, with erectile dysfunction, most of the time I would team it with teledildonics. So we would have the masturbatory sleeve. And I'm not sure if you work with a fleshlight at all when you're, when you're working with um, erectile dysfunction or edging, I mean, it can be at hand and edging, but it's the, it's the edging principle, but it's just the edging principle on steroids. Because you've got the masturbatory sleeve that is actually moving up and down as the action on the screen moves up and down. So it's just, you know, it teaches that self regulation.
0: That is so interesting because I never thought about it in that context and it kind of makes sense. I feel with sex therapy, we're kind of using the kind of techniques and intervention that was kind of created about, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago. And yeah. I love that with kind of you're combining these things with technology and kind of like may helping people to make kind of this changes in their sex lives that are, that are great. So how do you come up with what, what goes with, what is it based on your clinical experiences or you go based on research?
1: No, it's There's just not a lot of research yet. So that's the hard part. So I feel like I'm a, a pioneer here and I'm loving it, but you nailed it. I am taking techniques that you and I were taught uh, traditional sex therapy techniques and figuring out the best way to use them with new immersive technologies. And I'm writing a book about this. And it's just, it's been, it's been really fascinating. And I literally learned something every time I embark into this territory with a client.
0: And I can see that you have this creative side. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> when you were kind of telling me about the erectile dysfunction part, I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. But I never yeah. kind of put those things together, which is very cool. I want yeah. to hear about deepfakes. What are those? Oh my gosh! And how yeah. they're impacting couples' agreement, like monogamy relationship and agreement.
1: Yeah, and this is um, this is new territory for Ari Tuckman, who I know you know, one of our esteemed colleagues who talks about these, you know, monogamy agreements. So deep fakes, fairly new on the scene. Again, October 2018. Naughty America is the company that's that's rolling them out in the biggest way right now, but it's it's customized porn so you would go to naughty america and send them your favorite porn clip so it's the it's a clip with your favorite let's say i'm a male my favorite female performer and i want to have sex with her so they would ask you to send several photos of yourself several videos of your face and then they superimpose your face your body what they can onto the video clip that you have chosen so deep fakes, it's, it's not just about sex. You know, by the way, these are everywhere on the internet. For some reason, people pick on Nicolas Cage and Taylor Swift and President Obama a lot, where they'll like find scenes and superimpose these three people into them. And these are experiences that they've never had, places they've never been, certainly things that they've never said. But it's looking close to real. But if you, so then in 72 hours, Naughty America sends you back this video that has you having sex with your favorite porn star in it. So you can, yeah, you can imagine if a spouse or a partner finds this video, doesn't know it's a deep fake that what that would do to challenge the monogamy agreement, right?
0: Right, absolutely. And it can be kind of even knowing that kind of like your partner went to that extent to kind of can Mm -hmm. impact the fidelity agreement. So that's very interesting.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. So it's just a lot of new territory, but it can also be a huge turn on for couples if they chose to make one together.
0: That is so interesting. And I think it's kind of like using the kind of visualization technique could be kind of in a sense that like, you know, maybe you're kind of like using this to kind of like creating this image of yourself that doing so well, hopefully not super unrealistic, but that that can be kind of an image that you can hold and maybe they can help with your sexual kind of like sexuality with your partner and self-esteem but i can see that at times people might go overboard with that do you do you have that experience with your clients
1: not enough with immersive technology yet, but with, with typical 2D porn, for sure, um, as I'm sure you do, too. Uh, people can absolutely get compulsive about it. It becomes isolating versus connecting. And there, too, is, is a difference that I want to point out between traditional typical porn that we have today that is 2D versus VR. So the whole the, the thing that excited me about VR and immersive technologies is because of this felt sense We feel a more of a connection to the person that we're connecting with, to the experience that we're connecting with. So it makes it, I guess my hope is that we have that practice connecting in technology. So then we have the competency and the confidence to move out to the real world and connect in the same way. Whereas the porn that we watch today really keeps us locked into our screens. It's me, I'm here, it's the screen, it's there, and it's two very separate things.
0: Right. And I think there's a value to it if you're kind of using it with your sex therapist, with your therapist, mm-hmm. someone that can use it as a way to help you reach your goal. For example, when people have phobia, we use this VRs for years and it's very helpful right. for them to kind of get over the fear that they have. And if you're kind of using it in the same way in sex therapy, I think that can be very beneficial. Absolutely.
1: And I mean, VR and therapy has been going on for over a decade Jeremy Balanson has been using it to treat uh, PTSD in veterans. I mean, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of startups now looking at it um, as far as sexual health or sexual assault survivors. You know, it just, again, it accelerates, it accelerates our healing. It accelerates the learning curve because it's this, this tactile learning, kinesthetic learning. So a lot of us learn by doing, we don't learn by hearing about it, learn by watching, Learn by talking, you know. I feel like that's one of the inherent limits to therapy. Is we can talk about it, we can talk about it, and we have to hope that our clients will do their homework, right? So, you know, with me, the immersive technology, it's like, okay, here's some really interesting homework I can give you. Please
0: go do it. Right, and those are sound definitely more exciting than <laughs> yeah, like the homework from behavioral therapies. So right. I can I can make sure that it seems like people would be more interested to complete those homeworks. Yes. Yes. I, I've had
1: good luck so far. It's, there's a little bit of a stumbling block with price. You know, VR is still pricey. Some of the teledildonics products are still pricey and forget about sex bots. Those are super pricey. So at this point I've worked with some sex dolls and my clients, but I have not worked uh, with
0: Harmony yet. Right. you know, it's interesting that I when I did SARS and I'm sure you did SARS too as part yeah. of like sex therapy training and I live in LA and I did SARS in LA for our listeners it's just a workshop that you have to take that you get to expose you to a different array of sexual behavior sexual experiences and the specific group that I was taking it with very open-minded from from Los Angeles and pretty much they were open to everything and you know we you process your experience after each video and stuff and kind of workshop and stuff and Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting they were showing at the end that the virtual reality and sex and Mm -hmm. how kind of people are incorporating that and this alternative kind of like universe that people are having sex with other people and it's many of my colleagues they were very uncomfortable with it so I think it's going to be take a while for people to kind of use it so I'm kind of curious as far as the market right now is this a sub, sub part of population they're purchasing these sex spots? Do you think it's ever going to be mainstream? Yeah, for sure. It's it's a
1: very small percent of the market specifically uh, purchasing sex spots. VR, a little bit bigger. So our biggest, um, earliest adapters are gamers. So VR gamers but yes, when you're talking about the the alternative universes where people can go in VR and have sex with, you know, other people or other life forms, it's still, you know, there's still a lot of entertainment value to that. And I'm, I'm not sure if your readers know about Bedouin's virtual sexology, which I worked on, gosh, about a year and a half ago. And Hernando Chavez worked on, too. He wrote one for men. I wrote one for women. And these were sex therapy protocols in Virtual reality. So, there's already been thought about the shift from the traditional porn adult entertainment model of performance into ways that we can really make this therapeutic. So, we're moving, we're making progress. It's just been slow. And part of that is societal feelings about it, which you just beautifully addressed, even with sex therapists. And part of it is a little bit of a lag in technological adaptation.
0: Right, right. And I think it's important to kind of be kind of exploring an open mind, especially if you're a psychologist or a therapist or specifically Mm -hmm. sex therapist on what are some of the tools that you can add to your toolbox that will will be helpful for your clients. So for like many of our listeners that are a therapist, Mm -hmm. what are some of like the basic kind of teledildonics that you recommend them to kind of look into them for, for their clients?
1: Yeah. So, so kind of the creme de la creme right now is Kiru and that's K-I-I-R-O-O. So they're doing some really amazing things more so. I mean, yes, there's female products too. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Let's say for men, for women and for couples, there's still, there's some, there's some progress to be made, but this is really high end teledildonics it works. Couples are connected all over the world. So I would I would look at those pieces. But also, there's other products that aren't quite as expensive. You can go check out um, ellaperadie.com. They're a distributor, but they they cover um, and distribute some other teledildonic manufacturer pieces. With VR, there's a many many of the top adult entertainment sites are offering a VR section now. The kicker to that, though, is that you have to pay for it. So obviously we know most porn is free. VR porn is not free, but it's worth it. Like my belief is it's, it's worth it. And this, if people start paying for porn, it's going to change the whole business model. I feel like if we have to pay for it, we expect it to be better You can't translate the old 2D porn that we have now into virtual reality. You have to reshoot everything. So we're really like we're being given such an opportunity right now to rewrite the script on sexual health, make it about pleasure, make it about connection, not just performance, make it about therapy, make it about education. All of these things that we can do differently and do better.
0: These are very interesting development. And I'm excited to hear and kind of read your book when it's ready. Thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) So for our listeners that are interested to learn more about your work, the blog, the content that you have, where would be a good place for them to go? So there's, there's two sites and I'm sorry to have to do that, but each links back and forth
1: to the other. So it's not as complicated as it sounds for my private practice. And I work almost exclusively online. So I'm licensed in three States, uh, California, Oregon, and New Jersey. I do sexual health coaching in all of the other States and internationally. So that's drhollyrichmond.com. It's d r h o l l y r i c h m o n d. Dot com. For my work in sex tech, um, my consulting practice, more information about this, some research information about the book, that's NextSex.com. N-E-X-T hyphen S-E-X.com. But again, if you go to DrHollyRichmond.com and Dr. richmond is all my social, you will find links to NextSex almost everywhere.
0: Awesome. And guys, if you didn't get a chance to write write the address, you can find it in the show notes. Dr. Richmond, thank you so much for your time. This is definitely a very interesting conversation and informative. And hopefully we can have you back when you have the book. I would love it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Same here. Have a great day. You too. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Holly Richmond. I really enjoy learning about how she's incorporating VR and teledonics in her sex therapy practice. And I'm kind of curious to learn more about the development and sex robots. And what are some, I'm kind of curious to hear, what are some of your reactions? Would you have sex with sex bots? And how would you feel if you find your husband, partner, spouse using deep fakes? Because I think that certainly changes the the dynamic of the could change, dynamic of relationship and fidelity agreement as Dr. Ari was talking about it in our interview previously. I recently read, an article by Dr. Holly Richmond and she shared with me and she talks about her predictions about the future of VR. I'll leave a link to the show notes to that article. So I want to kind of hear your thoughts on that. And also, you can tweet at me. You can send me a message on Instagram. I want to see... What was your reaction from this interview? And do you find it helpful? How would you feel if your therapist was recommending to using a sex toy? And if you have used sex spots, I would love to hear your experience. So please do share with us and I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com.